With the COVID-19 pandemic forcing students in Athens TV into virtual learning, we tried to figure out how can we make this class experience better when you can't be doing video production on a daily basis. And the solution we came up with was guest speakers. Today in First Hour, we talked with Michael Jones, a location scout and manager, originally from Michigan and now based in Atlanta with Warner Brothers. I uh, grew up in, in Troy, went to Athens, uh, graduated a little bit ago, and uh, proceeded to enter a career in photography. Actually went to the Center for Creative Studies, I guess it's called the College for Creative Studies now, um, where I... Uh, studied photography and then eventually got into uh, advertising and was there for a number of years until we uh, uh, started doing films in Michigan back uh, 2008 really um, and uh, kind of fell into it by accident. I was the producer uh, for still photography at that time and a uh, show needed some help when I got called in to consult and it kind of wrote itself from there. Nice. So as, a, as an Athens alum, uh, what was it like for you back in the day in high school? Did you ever foresee being in the film industry? Or I know you went to CCS, so you probably were looking for a creative field. But was there anything at Athens that led you on that path? Or it was more of a hobby? How, how did you get into the creative um, field? Actually, yeah, and I actually studied uh, under, uh, uh, there used to be a vocational education teacher at Athens and studied photography then decided my senior year, I was actually uh, planning to go to the University of Michigan for finance. And, uh, and I had all the credits I needed to graduate, decided to take a photography class in my junior year and uh, ended up really kind of liking it and uh, took all my art prerequisites and got signed off from the, the art teacher and the academic principal to take all these concurrent art classes, which was absolutely unheard of to develop a portfolio to get into CCS at that time. That's great. Um, so I had no designs on going into film whatsoever. Um, but how now I look at it, it's like, I can't even really imagine myself not being in film because it is, uh, it is one of those things. It's one of the right, uh, right fits for me. And especially what I do uh, in locations um, because I actually do have the photography background and I was a producer for so many, so many years prior to that in advertising that when I moved into locations permanently, I had background in production. And I was actually, I never worked as a PA. That's something that you'll never hear of. I went directly from my previous career to being a location manager. Uh, so uh, I skipped about four rungs on the ladder um, in film, uh, which if you can do, great, but don't be in a hurry to try to do that because there's a lot to learn along the way. Nice. So one of the, one of the questions I get often um, from kids that want to go into film is, should they go to a film school? Should they go to a university? Should they even go to school at all? I mean, you have all the tools that you need now to, to be a filmmaker. You don't even necessarily need the, the education. But in CCS, I usually have a, a handful of kids that are interested in that school. What was your experience like at CCS? And um, I guess, would you recommend it for, for those looking into it? Oh, yeah, definitely. If you're looking for a local art school, um, the, the, I would recommend CCS uh, hands down. Uh, 
However, the tools are available at many of the other schools. I mean, you can get some of the same tools at, um, there was a instructor at uh, Oakland Community College, his name was Rob Kangas, that was there for a long time. Um, he, um, I, I'm actually working from home this morning. So, hey, you're going to be joined by two German Shepherds or two cats at any time. So I that's, apologize for that. That's great. <laughs> um, the, uh, so the tools are available multiple places and there's multiple avenues. Now, CCS, I think, offered a great opportunity um, because the the thought process behind, behind the photography um, department and there wasn't, I mean, we had two video classes. I took editing and, and, and a video class. So there wasn't, you know, you probably have a better program at Athens than we had at CCS at that time um, because it just wasn't a medium that people, if you were going to film school, you were going to NYU or someplace or uh, Loyola or someplace, um, someplace that along the line, moving out to California right then, there were no opportunities outside of California. Now we have multiple opportunities outside of California, whether it's Chicago, Detroit, New York, um, New Orleans, North Carolina, uh, uh, Atlanta, Atlanta is where I'm at. Uh, and, uh, and so you can follow other paths, but CCS taught um, actually problem solving, huh. creative problem solving. Um, I relate a lot of what I do in my field now to my assistants who I mentor and some of them have been with me going on, uh, going on, oh shoot, 12 years now for one of them. Uh, it's, uh, it's how you approach the situation, not knowing that there is, there's not just one road to get someplace. I guess I'm trying to use an analogy that, that there's not just one road to get someplace. You can get there many different ways you know, ultimately it's the end results. Um, so teaching you that there's more than one way to do something, more than one way to look at a situation, um, especially in locations and, you know, in the follow-up questions or whatever, I can kind of explain to you what I do because a lot of people don't fully understand what a location manager uh, does in film, not even people that work in film. Uh, so it's an interesting aspect there. Yeah, well, that's, why, why don't we get right into that? Um... Because I was trying to explain it earlier, and I bet I'm going to look foolish because I, I, I don't, ever, don't have it right. Because it's a very interesting job, but one, I'm guessing you don't really go to school and get a degree in location management. No, everybody wants to be a producer or director. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, so, what, so on a day-to-day -day -day basis, what, what are you doing as the location manager? I get up around 5.30 in the morning. I have about two cups of coffee. <laughs> um, and then I um, uh, basically location management is a, is an interesting um, field within the film industry and within any film crew. And I specifically work in episodic television. I like episodic television. The job is not too much different. It's the pace of the job that is different. Um, but as a whole, when we look at um, location management, it, it, it kind of has like, a few different aspects. First um, and foremost, uh, all not all location scouts are location managers, but all location managers should at the very least be a location scout. Um, it's important to understand, you know, looking for not just having an eye, but having a good eye, finding those things. Some of my uh, 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 really good friends within the industry, uh, and you can look this up and I can send a follow-up email to uh, to you, um, Il Jones, Mike Rat. Il Jones has done a lot of huge shows um, uh, within Marvel, within other uh, things. He goes to locations all around the world, uh, looking up 
you know, just finding that great place and finding that Vista. And you'd be surprised sometimes what we find, and I actually have an ongoing project where I actually have the concepts from the, um, the production designer or producer director, what we scouted and what was actually on film, um, just so we can see the progression of that because uh, it's if you, can, if you can realize what was originally on paper or originally in somebody else's head in that final product, you know, that's really kind of what you're going for. But sometimes that middle picture, what you actually find doesn't look like either, but it's the end result again. Yeah. Um, but we get up, we scout, we work with the producer directors, the production designers to find the right location after breaking down the script, after countless meetings on the creative side. So I work on the creative side first. First, I work on the creative side. Um, then um, we go out and find them. We go on scouts. It's a little bit different. Post-COVID, it's going to be a little different for a lot of things. And uh, we're in the process of uh, revamping how we scout and, and do things. So, uh, But the broad picture is we go on scouts. We look at the locations. We decide if it's like we can look at 150 locations to find one house. Um, and so that's 150 people that you have to convinced to let them into your house, <laughs> uh, which is uh, right. one of the first things that you learn is don't be afraid of somebody telling you no, because eventually you'll get enough people to say yes. Yeah. Um, after we find a location, let's say we pick a location, um, we tend to have um, uh, other meetings. We go on a tech scout, which uh, is with all the departments. We look at it. This is with camera. This is with lighting. Um, with the producers, uh, obviously the directors out there trying to figure out, you know, what he wants to do. And hopefully we lock a location. That's what we call it when we, we finally pick, pick a location and we lock it. That's kind of when my second part really kind of starts. Um, however, I've already started it before then because you, you, we move so fast that you kind of have to get um, things going before they're actually picked and then apologize later to a whole bunch of other people because they didn't get picked or they thought they were being picked. Um, but once we get that, then we start working on the, my second uh, aspect of this is I deal with a lot of legal in regards to filming at a location. Um, and that's putting together the location contracts uh, specifically for the hero location. That's the, the, what we're going to call the location that we pick is the hero location. And then that might be working with corporation, that might be working with city government, that might be working with uh, the state or uh, you know, an individual. Uh, once we figure that out, then uh, we, we move on to the glamorous job of logistics. Uh, and location department is in charge of logistics, which is finding all the ancillary components that people on the film crew are gonna use. Um, and this is where we people just really have no idea what we do. <laughs> um, we have to find the catering spaces. We have to find places to put portable restrooms. There are trailers usually with, you know, eight or four to eight restrooms inside them. We have to find crew parking. We have to find uh, green room space, uh, areas adjacent to the, the um, uh, to, to the set where we can stage or house crew when they're not, when the circus isn't taking place around camera um, before the actors get there. So those, those are all components that we have to find um, during, during production. Then we're uh, kind of during the actual filming, then we're kind of uh, involved with uh, a carryover that, but then we get to deal with public relations uh, dealing with the folks that uh, 
want to show up and uh, get autographs or uh, some guy that is running his lawnmower or leaf blower three doors down or something like that because uh, a little bit of sound goes a long way. Um, and so my assistants usually take care of that. I am usually only on set when it comes to filming until they do first shots. And that's usually about an hour into the day. We have a 12 hour day and then I move on because I'm usually prepping or scouting the next location. Um, so, and then after that we do, do clean up uh, and clean up after the film crew and uh, hire vendors to come in and clean up. And, and then finally, um, after everything's been wrapped, I'm usually, I'm not on retainer. I get to give my money or my time away for free a little bit, um, but I, uh, I'm open to questions from post, uh, which are the people doing the editing. If there's an issue, if they, if they decide that they're going to use a shot, but it's not the hero shot, it's a reverse and there's a house in the background and that house is there for more than 15 seconds or actually probably more than three or four seconds, then you know, getting a release and an agreement for that house if one doesn't already exist. Typically, I work in a 360 environment. It's just my um, MO. I get everything um, contracted just in case because no director ever says, I'm going to shoot this way, and then it only shoots this way. Yeah. They end up shooting every way. <laughs> and so um, uh, it, it tends to go uh, around in a circle continuously, whereas, you know, the grips, they, they rig and they tie knots and put up screens and, and, and worry about the safety of the working crew. Um, you know, the electricians, they run cable and set up lightings and stuff like that. The camera operators operate camera. It's a very single folded position, whereas locations encompasses a lot of things. So you really have to think on your feet because I, I've had people very angry at me. Whether, and it's funny, um, the locations is one of those departments I find it is very, very fulfilling because of the aspects, because I get to change all the time. But generally, you have to convince people to let them do something that they don't inherently naturally want them to do. Yeah. Um, if there's a location and you want to drill holes in their wall to run cable so you can hide cable, you have to convince them that you're going to replace it and fix it and it's going to look the same. And, and, Sometimes it's not about the money because uh, some shows and Marvel is a huge budget, uh, a huge budget uh, operation. And it's like, hey, yeah, here's some cash yeah. and it will make it better for you. Um, whereas I think some of the smaller shows, independents really have to work on the finesse and, and, and then follow through on the finesse. Integrity is a very important part of the location manager job. There's not a lot of folks that, that, really march that road. Um, producers um, want to get a shot. I am the liaison between, see, there's a cat. I have no cats with me. <laughs> um, but uh, the, uh, we're the liaison between the production and the public or government. And we have to walk that fine line of getting everything that the producers want without and, and being stewards really of our locations, because we don't want to burn a city or we don't want to burn a location. We want to be able to go back there at a later date. It sounds like you've got your fair share of headaches on a, on a given day. <laughs> yeah. We refer to them as dumpster fires. Oh, okay? I like that. Um, Put them out. That's you know, good. <laughs> it's, it's pretty much a dumpster fire after a dumpster fire, but I, I wouldn't trade um, my position for any other position in, in the job. And we can get into 
some of the exciting aspects of it, the glamorous aspects. The unglamorous aspects is unplugging toilets, cleaning <laughs> up after crew, stuff like that that we have to get into. And I'm a location manager that's hands-on. Um, I'm not on set very often. In fact, my, my key assistants, my people that run the sets and everything for me do not want me on set because I'm constantly on the, you know, you see everybody on the radio and they have the little earwig in and, and we're just talking back and forth on our channel. And I'm like, I'm like, did you guys do this? Did you guys do this? Um, Hey, what's this over here? Uh, didn't I say to put it over there? And they're like, we got it. Okay. And so they want me just to worry about the big picture, come talk to the producers for a couple minutes and leave. But, um, but I tend to be very hands-on if, if there's a cigarette butt or a water bottle or a tent or cone, traffic cones, you learn to travel all around with a lot of traffic cones. In fact, I have 50 in the back of my Jeep right now. Um, and, uh, we, uh, uh, but I'll, I'll get it there and I'll do the job. I don't ask, you know, I have other location manager friends. I'll be standing there and, and a producer will say something, look at on the radio and say, Hey, can you come over and get this uh, bucket out of the way or something like that? Uh, and I could have easily done that. So I, I tend to want to take the approach that I will do whatever it takes to get it done. I want to lead by example. I want my folks to do the same. I'm, I've been lucky enough to mentor um, uh, some great young women that are, are going to be future location managers, which has been really kind of lacking in our field. Um, and, and some of them are doing their first shows this year and, and last year. And and, and I've been lucky enough to mentor two folks, you know, almost their whole entire careers in location so far. In fact, they're both have now left me to go to do bigger and better things, which is the greatest accomplishment on my end. Um, uh, another one of them is a Troy native. Uh, his name is Tim McClure. He went to Troy High School. We're not going to say too much about that. Um, <laughs> but uh, he, um, unless your class is a mixed class of Troy and Athens, and I think you guys are great. Yeah, we're, um, that's, that's, but, a, that's a goal. We're not quite there yet, but they just finally got, they haven't run this class in probably five, six years, but it's back now. So I well, have, I think it, I it'll have be high back hopes. because I think you're going to have an opportunity here in the next few years. And, you know, your graduating senior seniors are going to have the opportunity to, um, to, to work more in film again, if we see the incentive come back. And, yeah. and that's another thing that, you know, I, I won't bore you with tax incentives, but I understand them completely. Um, you know, I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's one of these great things. I don't know if anybody else has anything to ask or if yeah, you have a list of questions here. We've got a few coming in. So I guess first and foremost, most important question, um, I don't know who this is, but maybe you do. Have you met Joseph Morgan from the originals? Yes, I have. All right. That's in fact, I produced a, I produced a short that he did, uh, two years ago, three years ago. And, and Joe is a really good friend of mine. There you, all right. So <laughs> I there. don't actually, I actually don't like mixing with talent very often. Um, uh, Joe is just one of those characters that is this, he's a phenomenal guy and, uh, a super nice guy. And, uh, yeah. So then that way you guys have looked at my uh, resume then. Yeah. <laughs> or my MDB. Well, that, that'll, that's, that's good to hear because I'm, I usually side with don't meet your heroes, but it's nice to hear that there's yeah. a nice person out there. Uh, there was a follow-up yeah. to that as well. Um, which I think is a good one because I feel like as a location scout, especially you have, you have a lot of power and based on what you share with your work experience, more power than I even imagine. Like you're involved every step of the way. That's really cool. But the power that this question is about is um, in those iconic locations, like the home alone house or the full house mm -hmm. house. And 
is, is would you say that there's a certain significant location that you've scouted like that is most visible or one that in your in your mind or heart is the most important one you've ever looked at um you know the i have had the opportunity to go to a lot of places and and i uh, chose about um uh, i don't know going on seven years ago six years ago now that chose to move from uh, feature films into episodic and and the reason i did that is episodic moves and the way that my brain works if i've done my prep on a feature film as a location manager now my my team will say otherwise because they get to be out in the field do all the hard work every single day but if i've done my job as a location manager by the third day of shooting on a feature film unless unless it's a 60-day film and there's stuff that we're just getting around to on day one but if it's a 30 let's say if it's a 30-day film uh, so six weeks of filming if I've if I've done my job well, I don't have much to do after the third day, um, and unless there is a rain thing, we have to switch locations, and I got to get out there and and wheel and deal a little bit, um, or if there is an accident on set, heaven forbid that, but it does happen, um, and we have to figure something out, uh, then it's a lot of it, a lot of it's just like going to set, drinking coffee, and I'm that's not my character, and and episodic television we produce an hour of television every um almost uh every seven to 11 days wow. so uh, we only and we only have eight days of prep for each location or for each episode so you're you have eight days of prep and while you're prepping they're shooting the other episode um it, so it's it's one of these things where you um Hang on for just one second here. I want to, I, my job never stops actually. I'm on yeah. call. Location <laughs> managers are on call 24 seven actually. And so put that in your head. <laughs> it's a, you know, it's, it's a great thing. They're, they're actually texting me right now. Okay. Um, no big deal. Um, as far, and so it's a new location. I'm, I'm always finding new locations. So there's once working episodic television, you do have your reoccurring locations um so like the home alone house or you know there's a house that everyone has seen almost it's called the innis house and uh los angeles it's frank lloyd wright usonian um project and it's in so many films and or or uh vasquez rocks in california you you've seen them just about in every single star trek mm -hmm. show every single alien show anything serial killer in the deserts you know it's it's there because it is a, it's right outside of Los Angeles. It's very easy to get to and everybody. So those are the iconic ones we think of all the time um, in the location world. Um, as far as what I do, you know, it's like, I know that I took a small town in, in just outside of Atlanta, Georgia and made it New Orleans and negotiated with building owners and the city and um businesses because sometimes you have a building owner and you have a business they're two separate entities but got them to come on board we put up awnings and and signs that made it look like bourbon street or at least one of those uh garden or one of the uh uh nola streets um three-story balconies with the all the uh um fans and ferns and and everything like that of which three of them we built um we ended up building 
structurally and they still stand actually. And the city is using them as currency going forward to attract other people that might need New Orleans without going to New Orleans. Wow. Um, and so when you look at some of the, um, when you look at everything with the exception of the finale of the originals, I think we only, I think in the five seasons of the originals and the two seasons that had New Orleans in Vampire Diaries, and they were only a couple episodes, um, same with Legacies, there's only been one episode in Legacies that was New Orleans. Um, we've only gone to New Orleans four times. Wow. So that's like 180 we, episodes or whatever, and never went to New Orleans. When we're, uh, we, every other year, not this year, unfortunately, obviously we go out to LA on a field trip and we go to all the studios and Warner Brothers and the fact that they always share is friends never went to New York and they only left the studio once. And yeah. everyone's mind is just blown. And it's, it really is an amazing balancing act that you do. Like, and I imagine money comes into it and like a town, you don't even think of thing like a town might want to use this for the future, but it all rolls into that. And I guess a question would be, you know, studio versus location, right? Which mm -hmm. is, is, I mean, there's probably various pluses and minuses to each, but do you think one is better than the, I mean, I guess you probably do think one's better than the other, but. I'm going to say, I <laughs> love shows that go on a location. Yeah. Um, um, but why, why might someone choose a studio set versus a location set? If you are interior, you can control every aspect of the interior shoots, sound, lighting, um, geography. And that's something that you might talk about a little bit in your class in terms of a, if you're shooting anything from a commercial to a music video or whatever. It's like, how do you walk through a location and where are the doors, you know, windows, you can control every aspect of that on stage. So it makes it some aspects more creatively feasible to do some stuff. Um, I've had about a dozen of my locations actually recreated on stage. Wow. To the inch actually. Um, and then other ones that are just, you know, near approximations of the original. Um, sometimes you can afford, uh, going on locations is very expensive. Building the set is very expensive, but going out on location multiple times can be more expensive than building it once and then just holding it on stage and going back there whenever you have to. Or you can write shorter scenes. When you're on location, you have to write scenes that are longer so you can build a damn location because you can't go back and forth or even switching locations from one location to another is extremely expensive, expensive because it takes time. It can take anywhere from two, about two hours out of your day. Um, and that time on camera, those are all times that you're paying crew and paying um, actors and stuff like that to be there. Um, however, you know, I think, you know, there's some great locations. You look at the vamp, uh, I, I assume that a lot of you guys are familiar with Vampire Diaries original uh, legacy. Yeah, and one, one question, um, we, we, lo we looked at your profile and stuff, but if you could just run down a list of productions that you've worked on there, there's some okay. interesting. I had to actually look this up here this morning <laughs> because um, I um, actually kind of forgot what I worked on. So um, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about Detroit and Michigan for a little bit. Um, Detroit and Michigan was really kind of um, a lot of independent film shot there. Uh, but there was a few that ended up with studio things. One of the, um, I did some work for HBO way back in 2009. I scouted for a show called Youth and Revolts. And I don't know if anybody uh, remembers that one. That 
it was a while ago, but it kind of has a little bit of a cult status. Um, and then I did a lot of uh, like uh, independent features like uh, the second SWAT, I think, uh, SWAT firefights and a few things for, uh, um, a few things for uh, Hallmark Lifetime. Uh, did a great remake of a film that has been done. It's called Sparkle. Um, it was a remake of, um, of Sparkle, actually. Um, and it's, uh, it's a great story. Um, and it takes place in Detroit. We talk about iconic locations. There's one that we can talk about, iconic Detroit locations. We played some of it for Los Angeles, obviously. Um, but we shot in some great houses in, in, um, in uh, uh, Boston Edison. And uh, we shot at the Mishcon building downtown. And the Mishcon building is actually was um, uh, built by Minero Yamasaki, or designed by Minero Yamasaki, who designed the two towers. It is actually the test building for that design. Oh. Um, but we went up to the, the penthouse level where the executives from uh, Michigan Consolidated, which used to be the gas company before consumers or whoever's there now. Um, and it was preserved from basically, you walked into the Mad Men set. It was like the paneling, tall ceilings, uh, glass, uh, you know, beautiful mid-century architecture. And so that's an iconic building in Detroit. Um, we played that for, I think, one of the record labels. Uh, I've shot in the Masonic Temple in Detroit. Uh, that's a, you talk about iconic places in Detroit, just about every single film has probably shot something at the Masonic Temple. Um, so there are, there are a number of, um, there are a number of locations in around Detroit that are just, you know, fabulous. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, shot at the Urkel house, which is a Frank Lloyd Wright house up near uh, eight mile road. Um, uh, and, uh, we shot that for sparkle actually, I, I think, but I've, I actually have shot there a couple of times and I was actually the first location manager to actually shoot at that, lo that oh, location. So, so I was, is there, I was really proud of the fact that I was able to convince them into letting us do that. Yeah. There's like, um, uh. Because I imagine with social media out there on Instagram, you can see so many different places now. But, I mean, do you have like a, a database of places you're hoping that no one finds out about that's yours? And Yeah, we have a couple back pocket locations yeah. that we always keep there. Um, had them in Detroit, but there's, you know, there's a handful of us. When, when I was there, there was a handful of us that were location managers. So we kind of all knew each other. And, you know, we always had a couple that we, we kept you know, to ourselves and didn't really share. But for the most part, as a community, we like to share because we like to promote what we do. Um, same thing in Atlanta. There's a few places that I have and I, I keep it to a short list. You know, I'm not giving it to the new guys that are coming up because this is a location that a number of us have kept, uh, you know, pretty well secret or, or not necessarily secret, but preserved. And we don't want a lot of places come in because lower budgets sometimes are don't take care of locations as well as they should mm. or don't have the means to and uh, they're not running with the a crew or whatever the case may be and things get damaged and you ultimately have to fix things and sometimes you can't fix something that's unique you know um, Detroit has far more um, mansions and everything like that uh, here we have pretty much the the coca-cola heirs and a few other people that have some very large buildings that have been converted but Detroit allows so many options in terms of uh, mansion style homes um, that uh, uh, there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, but here in, when I switched over to, um, you know, that was pretty much, I, I did some stuff. I did a uh, scout for the Butler that was the Lee Daniels film. 
uh, which was a great, great script. Um, uh, but about that time, I, um, I kind of made my um, transition over to uh, episodic television. And so uh, from that point in time, I kind of worked, I did some stuff for BET, I did some uh, uh, work for ABC, but I am pretty much uh, Warner Brothers. Um, they're the ones that have kept me busy probably six of the last seven years. Um, they, um, so most of my shows fall within one of their um, brands, uh, primarily uh, CW shows. I, you know, and some of the stuff that's not on my resume or my, my list here is like, um, I had to go back. Um, a lot of times I was hired as a, a scout for pilots. So I do one episode and then I don't, they're treated like a feature film, but they're the ones that you win awards on. Those are the ones that you set the tone for the rest of the series. Yeah. So I like doing that. They're also extremely location-based. Uh, you might have a show that, you know, shoots every eight days, but the pilot took 18 days. The first episode took 18 days. And of those 18 days, probably 17 of them were on location. Whereas when you get into shooting the films, you might go on location twice. Wow. Twice out of eight days. So it's, it's a lot different. Um, but um, my show is mainly uh, CW related. Um, uh, Containment was a show that was on for a while, dealt with a pandemic, um, which was interesting. That was back in 2015, 16. Um, the originals, I spent... Uh, I was brought on as a consultant. It was only supposed to be there for six weeks. And um, I ended up spending uh, five seasons there. Oh, wow. Um, I did the pilot for Legacies um, and then moved over to um, uh, moved over to another show called Stargirl and then came back and did the second season of Legacies. I am not the location manager on season three of Legacies. I'm uh, Warner Brothers. I tend to go where they put me and I've taken a more supervisory role in Atlanta. Um, so I'm not, I don't have a show of my own any longer. I also did a show called Black Lightning for a season, um, which was another um, uh, CW show, but I've also consulted on our show, Doom Patrol. Uh, Stargirl was my latest one. Uh, it's starting season two right now. I did season one, the pilot through the pilot and the finale and a couple episodes in between. Um, that's entering its second season. So they're all set up. I've moved on from that one. Um, so I, I'm lucky enough to get my, I get to work on just about every single Warner Brothers show that's television in Atlanta. So yeah, that, that's what I kind of like. Nice. Um, sorry, Numa's asking some good questions. Nuna, do you want to ask this latest one? You seem to be an originals fan. So no, yeah, I, I love the vampire diaries and like all of its spinoffs. So I was going to ask, is it harder to scout locations for like the period pieces that they do in the shows? So like there's a lot of flashbacks to like the 11th century, the 12th century. So how does that work? Um, that is an awesome question, actually. Um, that is, is one of the most difficult things. Um, uh, even some of the stuff where we go back into the thirties and, and we did a number of shows where we were in the thirties and, and, and world war one era. Um, those are difficult in the sense that there's not a lot of architecture in Atlanta. Atlanta is a relatively new city, primarily built up after the Olympics in 1996. They weren't exactly preserving buildings uh, Whereas Detroit was unique because people stepped away from, people kind of left Detroit and left it how it was 
in the late 60s and then came back to it and it's still there you know um uh when we looked at stuff for like the 11th century there was and and in fact everything that you see that takes place in the 11th and 15th century what and south of france i think was uh our location or one of them might have been uh, algeria um is shot at a mausoleum uh in uh on the west side of uh atlanta uh, and then we did some set extensions is a beautiful building had the um, Moorish architecture so it could play for Spain or South Southern France. Um, that was a that was a big character that was a big character in the show because it told a lot of the story uh, regarding the originals before New Orleans. Um, some of the other stuff where we shot even earlier their fields and we built structures. Um, we built structures in the middle of we, we shoot at a a horse park actually um, that has a preserve attached to it. Um, where the preserve is, is actually our swamp, one of our main swamps. The other one is right on our lots. Um, uh, but uh, up in the um, top of the hills and some of the, the, the valleys in that, that area, because it's 1200 acres with some roads going through it, which makes it feasible to shoot in. Um, we built the primitive Indian villages. We built, uh, some of our um, Middle English stuff where we built the structures or we found a stone structure that was there and augmented it or we do these things called set extensions where visual effects comes in and adds other elements to something that already exists. Um, but those are the most difficult to find because you have to find something that works within, even if you're only finding you know, 10% of what that is, you have to find 10% that looks exactly like what you're doing so the visual artist can to expand on that. Um, there was another one where we shot a whole village where I think the Vikings were raiding and that was actually a, a spring, um, during the works project, um, back, uh, after the depression, there was the, uh, FDR had a, a, a works program that built a lot of things and a lot of structures around the country, uh, bridges, dams, um, uh, this was a municipal water source that wasn't tied to a city. It was free. And it was attached to a place at Indian Springs. And it was a place where uh, the indigenous people, Cherokees at that time knew about. And they built all these stone structures. Well, what we came in is we put thatched roofs on all these buildings, but then they look like stone structures. Now, in honestly opinion, the, the time period did not have stone structures like that, but it looked that way. Uh, so as long as it kind of gets the feeling across and you feel that you've entered that um, time era, that's really what we want. Nice. Um, the opera house, the opera house that burnt down. We actually found that in Macon, Georgia. Um, that was one of our furthest locations that we left. It's two hours out, outside of Atlanta. We went down there so we could shoot inside the opera house, which was not burned uh, during the Civil War. And, uh, and we were able to capture the inside of that. Now, the outside of it doesn't look anything like uh, what it should. Um, but we took another alley with a stone building, filled it with dirt, and put a set extension, a green screen on the end that kind of had the opera house burning in the background. And that was, uh, that was the burning of New Orleans, I think. So wow. it's I a, hope that kind of yeah, uh, hits a little bit. It's what interesting asking. how you can still combine the, the location that there, but still add the special effects to it. Yeah. That's, that's intriguing. Well, Michael, more, more so now than it used to be. Right. I, we got to thank you for spending so much time with us. This has been fantastic. I feel like this could keep going for another three hours because it's such a unique role. Um, but 
just one question to wrap it up as a, a local Troy kid made good in the world. If someone in this room wanted to go into location scouting or management, and I don't know if this, I don't know if Troy was the same when you were growing up, but it's so boring here. That's what I'm always hearing. Um, how, how can they get their start now in going down this path from Troy? Um, you know, I think uh, some of it, um, I believe that you don't have to be, I don't believe that you have to go to film school. I think it's a very good I, a way to, to look at doing things. I think um, a lot of it's just going out there and taking pictures of things that you find interesting. Um, film schools that are the vocational styles take a lot of money. And honestly, my, my assistant, Tim, who, who works on all the Batman stuff and everything like now, um, he dropped out of uh, a local vocational film school program, which I won't name, um, to come be my intern and work for free on a show called Ghost of New Orleans that was shot in Detroit a long time ago. Um, and he never went back. And, and, and honestly, he is, he's a key assistant location manager, which means he's my, uh, my, you know, first Lieutenant, if you say, or whatever you can. And, and he's moved on and he's not, he doesn't have any designs on being a location manager anytime soon. And he's hitting 30, I think this year. And um, he is a key location manager on the big films. And he did it from working as a PA on up working as a PA not glamorous, not glamorous whatsoever. Um, but it allows you to meet people and find out if locations are correct for you. I have so many people watch out of locations, but I want to promote locations. The people that are made for locations, they, they know it the minute that they're in the department, um, which is the unique thing. Whereas a lot of people, and they, they might switch from camera or grips or whatever. So go, you know, join the, join the online groups that, that are filmmaking groups and build the networks there. Um, if you go to film school at U of M or take the program at uh, OCC or, or at, um, or even, you know, I think there's a, the program now at CCS, it's limited. Um, those are all great opportunities for you to learn the basics and come out with some knowledge. There are some very big expensive schools and you may get something out of them, you may not. Um, but if you wanna be a writer, we want to be a producer. I think it's really important to go to a program that that really kind of uh, builds on those. If you want to, if your thing is set lighting, it's try to meet some some folks. Reach out to uh, reach out to um, even the unions in the area and find out if they have people that they can direct you to to help you um, further your education. Because sometimes they have um, extension type. Um, programs are really there for promoting their membership, but they can, um, they can actually point you in the right direction. Location managers in Detroit are Teamsters. You're not going to get anything there. Um, you just have to go and maybe work as an office PA, work as AD, meet a location manager, call up the, the small little film shops that are in Detroit to do commercials, meet the folks there, and they can turn you on if you want to. You, you do that trek to Los Angeles, so you do that trek to Atlanta or New York, and, and you try to, you know, get a foothold by joining a Facebook group and meeting people. Facebook groups, best networking. <laughs> and I can't say enough about them. I do get folks from them. 
occasionally, um, but most of the people that join my department are through word of mouth, through just basically person to person networking. So Facebook is great for that. Awesome. Well, that is, that was a fantastic one, Michael. I really appreciate it and all that information, um, especially from an alum. So I've, I've, I've looked into a little bit. I said, mentioned we go to uh, L.A. I've looked into Atlanta a little bit, probably not anytime soon. But do you think it's worth a field trip? I know they got CNN and I've seen some like I think it was a locations tour. I would, I would definitely think about it. I mean, I do outreach programs to, um, uh, and, and I accommodate on my shows that I've worked on, um, the film schools, uh, the, the high school film schools mm-hmm. all the time. And, and some of them, you know, we've gotten a couple, I've gotten a, a couple assistants. I don't hire interns. The studio does not allow me to hire interns back on, um, uh, on the independent shows. They want interns because they're free. Um, <laughs> studio does not allow that you have to be 18. You get hired as a PA. PAs for Warner Brothers make 15 bucks an hour, you know, so, um, you know, that's the lowest amount that you'll make uh, working on a show. You work 12 hour days, um, might be a little different post COVID. We're not really sure yet. We're all just starting to ramp up and that's one of my main responsibilities now, but um, you, you come down, you do a tour, meet some folks. If you get the opportunity to do field trips or anything like that, take them and meet folks. And uh, cause you never know who you're going to run into that knows somebody. Right. All right. Well, thank you very much, Michael, for coming in. We appreciate I like the support. To think all these folks that are up early, uh, eight thirty, uh, and online because I I try not to do that very. Oh often. my gosh! <laughs> and I was telling them earlier, it's about to get worse because our schedules are going to change, and we're going to start at seven twenty and then go Ooh. online, which seems Ooh. like a great idea, right? It's really going to work yeah. out for everyone. So. Well, you guys have some great people in your lineup. I was looking at the list of folks that you have signed up to do these courses. And there's some folks that I know that I, I haven't seen their name in about eight years. And I'm like, um, there's this great makeup artist. Um, she's going to be on later today. Yes. So make sure you watch hers on the review I'm... because um, she is Emmy Award nominated and Guild Award nominated. And uh, uh, and then a whole bunch of local people, that, which is really great. Uh, Andy Haynes, uh, yeah. that's going to be on uh, one of these days. Great camera guy. Um so um, take in from those guys. I'm the boring, unglamorous job. Um, <laughs> outside of scouting, it goes downhill from there. But uh, but if you like to be in the thick of the action, we're definitely it. All right. Well, thank you very much, Michael. 